Hey guys, this is Paper in Pain. I'm Steve. Hey everyone, Christian here. well yeah how cool. are you cool yeah that's a fantastic week well my birthday last week you know so oh happy birthday thank you how old are you now i'm in the surgeon's club 30 officially really good time to rethink your future it is actually i even wrote myself a letter a few days ago i mean something i normally do every birthday just how romantic of you mm -hmm. what was in the letter uh, it's not a romantic letter of course a it's pledge like... to your future self no nah, really like telling myself 10 years ago how I was, how I have been doing for the past decade. So are you reflecting or are you giving your past self some advice? Reflecting, of course. Not really giving advice to some, it was already past the age. I mean, whatever past is already history. So are you, looking forward are, to that. are you satisfied with how you turned out by well, the age of 30? Not bad, not bad, yeah. I mean, reflection is supposed to be everyday exercise. I've been doing journal for the past 1.5 decades, so yeah, mm? every day. So, if if you were to look back mm -hmm. at yourself as mm -hmm. a designer, mm -hmm. say half a decade ago, whenever you started, mm -hmm. uh, what would be the one advice that you would give yourself as a designer? Yeah. I'll probably just tell myself five years ago, um, try as many different industry or different aspect of tools you can you can actually encounter. Just try and give it a try. Find out which one actually suits you best in terms of tools. Also meet as many people as you want. Talk to them. Um, listen to their story and try to empathize with them. And then from all this exercise actually that's how you improve yourself. And just to it sounds know. more like two tips rather mm, than one. Yeah. But yeah. yeah on, kind of on on the topic of trying different things and just working with different industries. I think mm -hmm. uh, when I was getting started, uh, things were a bit easier, mm -hmm. I guess. Someone who was just breaking into design or, or development, mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't definitely not have access to as much information as you do today. Mm -hmm. So you, you, would, you would really have to either find someone was in the industry and you could learn from them mm -hmm. or you would have to go through forums mm -hmm. uh, just digging out some you know fractions of, of information you were looking for mm -hmm. just to learn how things would work and trial and error trial and error would just be the only uh, the only method that would do it for you but then at the same time what we see in today was not yet a thing right so mm -hmm. now you have uh a really devastating state of the industry where the companies are laying people off. Uh, big companies are not hiring anymore. Uh, smaller companies are looking for someone who's already got like years of experience and expertise doing things that you would not naturally learn how to do uh, in design school or boot camp, right? Mm -hmm. And when I look at the junior roles in general, uh, there are basically none. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might be the case in the West because I'm not looking westwards here, but like in Asia in general, mm -hmm. you would either see those senior roles in demand still 
uh, but nothing for the people who are just breaking into the industry. Yeah, actually, that's a very relevant topic today. We're trying to talk about.、Um, we want to see how designers can actually, or non-designers, want to break into the design industry, and especially in the state of design in twenty twenty-three, we have massive people laying off, and、um, it's just getting more difficult comparing to what it was like five years ago. And junior roles are really a stratum being taken over by AIs, which we are also going to talk about that a little bit. And eventually, we're going to talk a little bit about design maturity, and for organization, and also for the small agencies. I think we can actually start with the latter, right? And、mm-hmm. just look at the the design maturity and what we mean by that.、Uh, if you were in the de- in in the industry.、Uh, Five six years ago, you would see that a lot of、uh, organizations would essentially focus on building the first design teams, the first UX focused, product focused、mm-hmm. teams with a strong design leadership and design presence.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have、uh, thought leaders like Envision、mm-hmm. be publishing those、uh, UX maturity scales and would be、uh, trying to bring. The leaders of the industry together to discuss where it was going, and then for someone who was just joining the sort of ranks of designers,、uh, you would have a rather clear pathway.、Uh, it was still in the making, right? There still、mm. there was a lot of、uh, a lot of going back and forth,、uh, a lot of uncertainty and ambiguity. But what we did have at the time. Mm-hmm. Was at least the certainty that design was there to stay and to make an impact, and I'm not saying this is not true today. All I'm saying is we are definitely seeing the commodification of design.、Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that designer's role is not what it was. So right now, designer is expected to do slightly different things. Right,、mm-hmm. they are expecting to. They are expected to. Follow、uh, the the book, you know,、uh, to to do what the others are doing. Whether it's double diamonding the hell out of it or design thinking, you know, you mean the, the it, diverging, converging, <laughs> diverging, converging. The, the the funny thing is, what I mean is not that double diamond is a、mm-hmm. bad approach or it's a flawed approach or anything.、Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, there's a lot of companies that don't know why they're doing it. They're just doing it because but, everybody's doing the same thing. There, there's there's always a reason why you're actually using it, isn't it? The only reason that a lot of them have is that everybody is using it. You know, the that, same. That's not a valid reason. You you need to dig out the reason why you're using that approach. Well, again, we look at the state of the industry.、Mm-hmm. We understand that. Everybody has to set the priorities right,、mm-hmm. and you have to prioritize your quick wins and short-term goals today over this like ambiguous goal of building a mature design within the organization in a design presence that is impactful、mm-hmm. and meaningful. But a lot of companies, again, they don't know why they need it. They just know that they need a designer. Mm-hmm. Rather, they needed a designer in the past. Now they do have a designer on board. The designer who was just doing what they've been told to do, without actually applying any 
of the thinking. Surprisingly, seeing actually there's also a very sad effect. Um, I've just seen like designers without a sword with designing. I'm I mean, only wondering you, if you are a designer, you're supposed to do something really for the users and not just being told you should do this, you should do that. You can't do that because that's not everybody's doing. It's waste of money, waste of resources. Wondering if that is the result of uh, the crisis within the industry. I think it does have something to do with it. It did have an impact Mm -hmm. when you know that if you do not do that, if you try and, you know, defend uh, your point of view, your take, uh, not every leader is good at accepting that someone else got an opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that your job's at risk constantly today mm-hmm. and there's very little room for being creative when the house is on fire, you know. Yeah. And that sort of mindset that you are forced to adopt is making you just follow the cookie cutter approach, go the easiest way, go after the quickest win possible. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking what kind of role uh, does design education have to play in this? And again, we are not talking about people like ourselves. We are talking about young designers or future designers, the people who just want to break into the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the one hand, you have people who are burning out from within Mm -hmm. in companies that do not want to hire more designers because they either don't know what to do with them Mm -hmm. or they just do not have a need for them anymore Mm -hmm. because they did not build the, uh, the organization that is driven by design Mm -hmm. Uh, on the other hand you have well didn't want to say this but boot camps boot camps yeah okay let's talk a little bit more about that boot camps and design schools what's your take um the boot campization of design (laughs) well it's it's been there for for quite a number of years now i only started to notice those design school and bootcamps thing, it was probably like maybe two or three years before the pandemic starts. It's starting to rise before the pandemic and just getting more and more hypes during the pandemic. And um, I'm talking about in Singapore. Um, there are lots of people who actually starting their career in a completely different industry and they want to switch into design industry um, because it's been advertised to people that UX is a well-paid job and they want to get a little piece of cake from it. And they went, that is just join a bootcamp or go into a design school like General Assembly or design, um, design better. There's such a design school there um, to, um, to go for a fast track and to get yourself equipped with all these essential or, absolutely necessary skills, so-called, so that you can actually land in the job in the UX industry. And therefore, you can actually, it's a very quick path to a well-paid job, and especially for those career switchers. What I noticed, I got a bunch of friends actually from architectural industry. They're all architects before. And many of them decided to switch into your UX career, and then they told me, well, that's the one of the best choice they have and uh, they all went to to get some design bootcamp and now they are more or less settled they're fit into the industry now that is okay that is very unfortunate 
Uh, we're mm -hmm. losing a lot of really passionate people from other industries. That's unfortunate for the industries, uh, naturally. As much as I'm happy to welcome more designers into the world of design in general, uh, I'm really disappointed with the fact that a lot of people uh, have to give up their passions because uh, the the architects surprisingly again those <laughs> architects that i know right mm -hmm. they also switched into design uh they did not do it because they hated architecture and in fact many of them uh, they still have those like second thoughts you know and maybe considering going back there someday mm -hmm. but they know that they can't make this uh quick impact that they want to they don't want to spend four or five years just building something that may never be may never even materialize in the end because like so many reasons beyond their control well, isn't that the same thing i told you last time well, i was in i was in architecture industry before yeah, and yeah. yeah one of the major reasons for me to switch over to digital design is because um in architecture you started everything from conceptual design to basic design to detail design to ifc which is issue for construction design hmm. and that's Basically, your whole design process is done. Once your design process is done, you actually hand over to, um, uh, to construction. So yeah. that's going to take proper project planning, small projects, probably you're talking about one to two years, a big project you're talking about up to five years. Yeah. And you can't see all your results unless you're willing to wait for five years. I mean, the worst case. And um, if something goes wrong during the design stage, but they only been spot out during the construction phase. Yeah. The the impact is huge. For example, maybe it takes ten dollars to correct a mistake or a typo or um, a design mistake in conceptual design phase. It takes one hundred dollars to change that during detailed design. It takes ten thousand dollars to change that during IFC, and it takes a million to change that during the construction. Not too much different from what you do with digital products. Yes, but the time frame is way longer. Uh, I would not like necessarily say that the time frames are short for UX as well. Mm -hmm. Like you can be a good product designer and still have things beyond your control here that would essentially render many of the projects in your portfolio mm -hmm. uh, dead way before you would get a chance to like publish them, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because the stakeholders decided to bail out and cancel the project. Maybe because it was never implemented the way you planned for it to be mm -hmm. or anything. Uh, I am a little saddened every time uh, an architect says that, well, they have so many things that they've designed, but uh, no one would erect it. No one would build it because, yeah. well... Many reasons, whatever. A lot of reasons. Which then, it's similar to your design now. I mean, in a digital design, where you have lots of ideas, but devs coming to you and telling you, no, this won't work. Then then I think the the issue is in getting back to the topic of, of boot camps in general, design mm -hmm. education. Uh, the work of the architect is... Uh, well, when, when you look at the work of an architect, mm -hmm. what you see there is the thinking that they put into it is all of those ideas that are coming together in the influence that he has mm -hmm. on the industry in general. Mm -hmm. But it does not have to be an actual building. You have a lot of so-called like paper architects, right? So in, the Soviet, in yeah. the Soviet Union, for instance, that was a huge thing, right? Mm -hmm. You have uh, official censorship and, well, the party that mm -hmm. uh, 
prescribes what can and cannot be built, essentially. And a lot of talented architects, they just put together those projects on paper and they never publish them anywhere and they don't go anywhere. But it was right? really bold exploration. The, the, the whole idea is that mm -hmm. the exploration itself, the project itself that is ready on paper is mm -hmm. already valuable, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. When you leave your design school, uh, not every design school would try hard enough to get real projects in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that I see today, they go in out there without anything to show. And in their case, the issue is you cannot really evaluate the impact that their work has, or rather, like it has no impact whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It's just a concept a high-level prototype that has nothing to do with what you would do as a designer in the wild. So as a result, you have high expectations, right? Mm -hmm. as, as a young designer goes into this boot camp and, or, or a design school or whatever, and they tell you, well, you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars in no time. And then in six, seven months, all you get is this paper certificate, two prototypes mm -hmm. in Figma that have nothing to do with the real world, right? They just, some ideations, I know, a journaling app, mm -hmm. note-taking app, a grocery shopping app. You can get a little creative with that. It can mm -hmm. be something more sophisticated than just this like high-level redesign of an existing product or something new. Mm -hmm. But largely, the hiring manager would be looking at this alongside 500 other applications just like that. Mm -hmm. So you have problem number two on top of the industry being in a really bad state. Mm -hmm. Portfolios that look the same and designers that really won't stop making money. They want to get out there, have no idea how to be relevant and how to stand out. Which um, reminds me of something during this recent mass laid off, I've read about an article before, and it says um, one of the key reasons why we have the tech industry mass laid off is because overhiring during the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. So they're hiring like crazy during the pandemic, and now because they've realized, okay, actually we don't really need that many designers, developers, so they just dropped it off. So you have, you have a lot of people who are, so like fighting for this tiny amount of jobs. Yep. You have young designers who were tricked into believing that it's easy. Mm -hmm. Now, how can you, as someone who does not have any hands-on experience, as someone who has just spent six, seven months learning what design is, mm -hmm. is doing things here and there, get your foot in the door. How do you do that? To, to get your foot in the door for me. If you were mm -hmm. just getting started in design. Well, um, if you're a student, for example, you're in a design school and you're majoring in some design-related major, um, well, you can toast on your school project, for sure. Um, don't, don't, um, don't submit your school project. I mean, they're like not really that relevant. Like at all? Hmm. I mean, there are some, but not really relevant, unless they are relevant to the job you're applying for. Or you can actually really demonstrate that your school project can have a very strong 
tangible impact to the society or to the to the to the to the industry to the community. You have any particular examples of how a student could do that? Mm. Well, you can do a lot of user research. You do more marketing research when you're actually doing the, doing the project. It's not only just the project itself. To think a little bit more about how do you make your project creating a lot of impact, not just for the sake of making it beautifying the project, making it looks nice, but how does it actually improve people's life? How does it actually help people to fulfill the task more efficiently? Mm-hmm. I think when you said it has to be relevant with the job that you're applying for, mm-hmm. what I would imagine is if you have a job opening and you're lucky enough to actually take a few of the boxes, right? You're mm-hmm. curious, you know, Figma, you know, just check the boxes like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just go... Uh, and read a little bit about the company that you're applying for, uh, you can sort of extract some of the keywords from the mm-hmm. job posting itself. What is it they're looking for? What kind of qualities? What kind of skills? And the project in your portfolio that they would want to see, even if you are a, like a junior designer, uh, it has to be something that's aligned with what they are doing. So if you have, let's say, an entire portfolio of projects that are related to mental wellness is something mm-hmm. that a lot of people are doing these days but then you apply in a company that's selling real estate and mm-hmm. they're looking for a designer who is like into e-commerce a lot and knows not only all the patterns not only like using mental models within that space and is really into researching you know like uh, cognitive behavior within the e-commerce industry but uh, they would look at your portfolio and they would they, they might be able to extract some of you know the relevant skills and information out there mm-hmm. but it would make a lot of sense for you to try and demonstrate what are they looking for it does not have to be from the same space so i'm not saying that a mental wellness project will be irrelevant for an e-commerce company but the e-commerce company would be looking for particular metrics mm-hmm. uh they would want the designers to work uh not only towards creating this beautiful user experience, mm-hmm. they would want to see how the conversion improves, uh, how you work with acquiring new users. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you understand how the funnels work? Do you know where how to identify the drop-off points, for instance, in the journey? So if you can demonstrate that, and if you can also include those like buzzwords mm-hmm. from the job posting itself, and incorporate them in your portfolio and in the application in general. Mm-hmm. That would be a really good first step. Mm-hmm. So in this case, like you can salvage your your school projects pretty well. Yep, and actually that's a, that's that's the skill that I learned when I um, started to transit my career. Um, just go ahead and, for example, you're applying for the job, getting give a very very deep look into the job description, and. You know, nowadays, because I got a friend who was actually working as the HR, and before that, she was actually a headhunter. And she told me, normally for HR to actually filter in all the, all the applications they received, yeah. basically, they're talking about hundreds per day. So you probably only have 10 seconds or 20 seconds to actually make a decision. You want to go ahead with this resume or want to just toss it to trash can. And... Um, and all the, all the 
a lot of them actually using some filtering tools. So especially now it's actually using AI to extract your application. And basically it's thinking about this like word cloud. And it just extracted all the keywords from your application and to see if this actually matching the job description they put into it. So this is a tool normally a lot of HR is using. And for you to actually pass this first gate, you can actually use the same way they're doing that by using a tool. There's a lot of like this kind of tool online actually is free. So you just go ahead and toss in the JD and they actually give you those keywords and try to include those keywords into your application and put in your CV or even put in your portfolio. And that actually increase the chance of you getting filtered. Avoid being, I mean, avoid being getting filtered out in the first step. Okay, if if you want to make it even better, mm -hmm. make sure that your CV comes in a Word document format, and then it does not have any formatting whatsoever. Like, it should be as plain and simple as you can possibly make it, so that once you actually send it out, it will not get lost. Mm -hmm. It will be properly scanned if... I don't actually know how that works in detail. I know there's some uh, mm -hmm. ATS, I believe it's called, but I don't want to. I What's want ATS? To uh, there's apparently systems that can actually scan uh, your resume uh -huh, and just yeah. extract oh, there's, there's the information out of it. Yeah. So yeah, if you're applying through like Workday or something, you can upload your CV and mm -hmm. then it tries to extract like your name, your phone number and all mm -hmm. of that. So mm -hmm. similar to that, uh, the simpler the file is, the better. So don't don't bother, you know, downloading Figma templates and going with all of that. Just just use the simplest Word document that you can. And just go with that, but make sure that your projects in the portfolio because that would be the most important yep. piece. Right? But when you send it over, you're still putting it to PDF, do you? Uh, no, no, no. You just send out a Word document. I don't have Word installed. Uh, you can use Google Docs and then just export it. There's a doc. Okay. So don't use PDFs. PDFs are not accessible documents. Uh, Why not? Well, because there's no format that would be universal for you know PDF to be like properly readable and editable. Surprisingly, in, in the design industry, PDF is really. I mean, it's like a <laughs> fundamental thing. Well, because when you need to package a lot of mm -hmm. uh, images together. And yeah, font. You don't want you exactly. want to use some custom fonts. But yeah. don't use custom fonts in your CV. CV is not a place for you to is not a place for you to, you know, like show off. It's a mm -hmm. place for you to just keep your information clear. Mm -hmm. Keep it short, keep it relevant, just like you said. And then supplement it with a really strong portfolio. Speaking of which, mm -hmm. what do we have in there? We just discussed that we might want to have something that is relevant to, to the you job. know the, yeah. the, the the job and the expectations mm -hmm. right but yes. okay let's say let's say we have nothing say mm -hmm. we've worked on something that is totally different from what the company is looking for but we okay we give it a little discount we say well it's a junior role mm -hmm. so maybe not 100 percent fit they would want to find someone with potential how do we show that we have potential um That's a tough question. That's a tough question. <laughs> that's, that's tough, yeah. Actually, it's really tough because I, I have to put myself, think, imagine myself as, as a designer who actually didn't 
have had many years of experience at all, mm. just like fresh out from school. Mm. How do you actually make sure the scenes I want to showcase actually can demonstrate impact? Or, well, you can you can actually do some other pet projects that is not actually part of your school project at all. You can do some non-profit work, or you can do some open source thing. Okay, the the non-profit thing. The non-profit. Uh, what do you mean by that? For example, um, you can actually just go ahead and talk to your friends for. You can design something for a non-profit organization, a charity, for example, and um, yeah, you can just create a project based on that. Then, um, because those organizations are there, they're tangible on the market, so they're generating a substantial amount of impact, and your work has something to actually help them to improve better. And so, basically, you're doing something actually. Having the social impact, not just designs on the paper. I think I think in this case, I would just say that、uh, as long as you focus on solving the real problems for these,、mm-hmm. uh, the okay, the the friends route is always there, right? You can always、yeah. find someone within your network if you have that network, because、mm-hmm. again, not not everyone would. Can always find someone to help out with anything design related. Does not have to be big, right?、Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the charity one is actually pretty nice, but I also do have some doubts about it. Like, I can't imagine how you could design a logo for free. I can't imagine how you could do something simple, just as, as simple and tiny that would not require any investment from their side, you know. But let's say a website. You can't really design a website for someone who can't really build it, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not that easy. You can design it and present it as a concept, but then again, we're going back to square one. It's、yeah. still a concept,、yeah. right?、Mm-hmm. So maybe we need something better. Let's say we have no friends. We have no relevancy in our projects to the job that we're looking for, and、uh, all the charities that we've approached,、mm-hmm. they sort of don't need a website right now,、mm-hmm. right? They're not looking for it.、Uh, We do not want to do anything、uh, with it just yet. You know, we, we we don't want to give up. So, what's the other way? So, of course, you need to bring your connection first. But you yeah, can, yeah, let's you, let's you, say you, we you have can, no connections. Like, and you no can't build a connection in very short time. Yeah,、um, go to GitHub, go to open source community. For sure, there will be people asking questions. Design related, dev related as well. Just go there and take a browse, and then see if you can actually pick it up something from there. And surprisingly, that is something、mm-hmm. that is like severely underestimated. It is, yeah. And、uh, there is so much potential about it. When you're looking for new things,、mm-hmm. the things that people would be using, and you want to work with real users, and at the same time you have no budget whatsoever,、mm-hmm. and you. Have this huge community of developers that are working together, and that are trying to build something for themselves. And at the same time, they have no designers who would join them and help them out.、Uh, you you see this huge demand that is not satisfied because designers don't know about it.、Mm-hmm. Because the barrier of entry is is well, it's quite huge. Again, you you need to know your way around GitHub. 
say, if you're looking for a project to contribute to. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are not really that design savvy or design driven. Some of them like Cal.com or WordPress, they will have a really good design system established uh, rituals in place that would have some really, really good designers on board who are helping them. All of them volunteers, by the way, in most of the cases. Occasionally, you would have someone backing up from the mother company. But mm-hmm. in general, you have this really good opportunity to get yourself out there and help someone out. What you would really be doing is you'd be helping yourself, first and foremost. You'd be standing out. Like, yeah. I... I've not really seen that many designers who'd be doing open source work. Uh, I'm doing open source design myself at Formbricks. Uh, we're literally just doing it from ground up. So there's nothing in there uh, that we as designers, you know, could not have contributed to. Uh, and at the same time, there's no designers out there. So you don't have any competition. You can just jump right in, find a project that's, you know, that resonates with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And just start doing it. Yep. I, I think it because most of the designers are not aware of what open source is. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea how it actually works. It, it, it was a very developer's thing back to no, back still years ago. Very much is. Still very much very is. Very engineer yes. driven. But um, open source should not be just a coding perspective thing. It's... It's supposed to be a way of thinking. It's a methodology. Well, and the funny thing is uh, you would have, uh, and again, as someone who is uh, not really that active within the community, but is still pretty much like playing around with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I notice how the uh, appearance of open source products uh, it has become a bit deceiving in a way. Mm-hmm. So uh, 10, 15 years ago, we'd be talking about how, ugly they are mm-hmm. and how horribly designed they are and it would be clear <laughs> like download gnu cache and you will see how bad that is yep. in terms of ui it's basically straight from the 90s right it has not changed a bit and that's that's the point right but right now what we're looking at uh actually like the projects that the products that, are, that that look fine have some really nice UI thanks to all mm-hmm. the frameworks, uh, mm-hmm. things like Tailwind that mm-hmm. just make it look well. Mm-hmm. And designers may think that, well, it's well designed. You don't need me here. Mm-hmm. It's just the UI. But because you have, again, an engineering driven uh, process, you have people who are building something for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's getting out of hand usually. And a lot of decisions that they make, they just make them on the go. They're not really trying to, uh, you know, to design this. Mm-hmm. They're just building it real quick. And that is great because once you contribute something to it, you'll get a chance to see the thing go live almost immediately. Mm-hmm. But then again, for some reason, young designers are not jumping right into it. They'd rather spend three months working on something that never goes out there rather than find themselves something that exists today and help improve it. I think we can probably spend a individual episode talking about open source design. No, I definitely think definitely, we should. Yes, we should. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a very big topic and probably we can just elaborate how what is open source, how it was formed and, and how we actually initiate an open source project and how everybody starts to contribute and how does it actually goes out. Okay, I mean, okay. That's going to be yeah. a, a different episode. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's imagine that open source is not 
is not something that we as young designers are aware of, mm-hmm. right? But we still need to to get, you know, our portfolio to shine. Mm-hmm. I'm running out of ideas, you know. If if trying to, you know, do some free work, pro bono work, and some mm-hmm. charity work is not for you. Mm-hmm. If open source design is not something you would do. And if you do not have any projects that would demonstrate how you go in to help this particular company mm-hmm. improve their product, then are there any other ways that you could sort of, you know, stand out? There are many designers actually started by just doing some case studies. They just give their insights about how the existing features of or the product is. And uh, they would do some study about this, pointing out what is good, what is not there, tear it down there, and probably point out things that you actually have potential to improve. I'd say there's only one downside to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're only doing it tear down, or let's say that you you take a case study Mm-hmm. and you build it around a particular product that you're using daily, and then you're suggesting some improvements to it, uh, you need to go the extra mile with it. Yes. So it can't just be, well, this is Facebook's landing page, and this is how I would improve it because it looks better now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are talking about going really deep into it. I mean, doing the actual user interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing the actual market research, doing the actual usability testing all the way with a paper prototype, with low fidelity prototypes, then with the the the, the high fidelity high res prototype, so that when you finalize your case study, you can show that well at the beginning you have identified those pain points for the user, and you could even think about how that would impact the company, mm-hmm. you know. And then at the end, you show in that you have solved those particular pain points and what you would expect the impact of those decisions on the company's business to be. But I would say uh, this is what is expected of you, you know, from the beginning. This is how your ideal project in the portfolio should look like. You, you know how it actually can all start it with just a simple feature request. For example, I'm using... Um, a workout trackers for the past few weeks, mm. and um, it's not a Strava. I'm using a very new workout tracker. It's called Any Distance, mm. and um, so I'm using that because my friend actually recommended me to just to try it out. Um, so thinking about Strava, but less it's less nerdy. There is more aesthetic to it, and has the building community feature as well. And I do find that the, the product, even though now they just recently launched a 4.0 version, but they still have a little bit, quite a few bugs there. And what I did is I just reached out to the CEO directly, dropped him a message, telling him, okay, so some pain points I've been experiencing. And I actually did a very quick case study for that, just like doing some, some comparison, some competitive analysis, and mm. uh, giving him my suggestion. And surprisingly, this guy, he actually replied to me like within one day. So there's been a few emails going on, so big back and forth. So I replied him a little bit more, and then he replied me a little bit more as well. So, I mean, that's a good thing about the new company startup. They actually really 
um, turn off all the bugs well and very fast. So it actually can just simply start in with a feature request, and then you can actually expand your case study based on that. That would actually make a really good portfolio. If mm-hmm. you had just one case study, then it would be something that you have identified mm-hmm. and you helped improve just like that, but just mm-hmm. reaching out directly to the company and saying, well, mm-hmm. this is what you are doing wrong and this is what I would have done if I were you, and this mm-hmm. is how you can actually do that. Uh, I don't think anyone would just like turn you down directly right away. Yep. Even if they do, well, you've tried, right? You've tried, yeah. That, that's good enough already. Yeah, make your voice heard. So, yeah, I think I think that would also work. That would also do. So you, you go in the extra mile, you're and doing it, the research And work. you are the one, you are the user. So you are the person who actually... Really in a way, yeah. yeah. In a way. I mean, if you can bring some other voices with mm-hmm. you, if you that can would be even find better, yeah. someone yeah, who's also doing this. So what I would usually do for, uh, say, like take-home exercises. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in the days when I would actually do take-home exercises, I do have a slightly different take on them mm-hmm. today. But... Uh, I would advise anyone who, well, is applying for a job that requires them to do one mm-hmm. to go the, the, the extra mile. And instead of just jumping into doing all that, just spend a little time uh, researching the real pains. Mm-hmm. You know, either if you are a user, you may know of some already and you can talk to other users as well if you know them. Mm-hmm. If, say, you are not a user but you can find someone, you can just reach out to the community. Reddit, you mentioned Reddit mm-hmm. before. That's a really good place to go. Mm-hmm. You can just find some real people and talk to them and do the same yeah. thing, essentially frame it as, you know, an improvement request. But uh, if if you can't do any uh, any of that, how good is your case study, right? How good is your take-home challenge or a design exercise? If you don't know what the users are struggling with, then you're only essentially enhancing the UI, however you frame all of this. Yep. But if you still couldn't find anyone, there's usually this beautiful place. Uh, it's called App Store. <laughs> and you just go right there. You literally take screenshots of all the reviews uh-huh. you just analyze this you know like you, you don't have to go as far as you know analyzing mm-hmm. word frequency or anything you can just extract some quotes from out just there just putting yourself in the shoes of an auditor yeah but then you you w- with having those you know direct uh, direct quotes from the real users mm-hmm. and build build whatever whatever will help solve those you know mm-hmm is how you get some research work done. You go in the extra mile. You're showing how you're going to extract these. Mm-hmm. You're doing a real case study. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you show that, well, this is what you're capable of. Yep. Yep. I think that more or less concludes our discussion today. Yeah. Um, there's a few ways, of course, you can always stay relevant as a designer mm-hmm. and especially for those who want to switch into the design industry to break into it, or for those who uh, just graduated recently from school and they want to actually jump into the industry as their first job. Um, yeah, so first, um, just throw in your school project if you can. Um, make sure they're actually relevant to the job you're applying for. If that doesn't work, you can do some non-profit work, do some work for charity, for the social, for the common good. 
or you can jump into open open source community. You can get inspiration from Reddit, and then we actually get serious about the topic. Jump into GitHub to find if there's anything people already done that before. If no, you can actually just go ahead and create your own, and communicate share that with the with the rest of the community. Um, there's um, there's a few design communities out there. I'm pretty sure you can find a lot of connections on Twitter or on post CV. And uh, yeah, and if that doesn't work, we can always go to case studies, focus on things that you want to improve or breaking down a product, breaking down the features, trying to find out what is actually missing there, what can be improved or enhanced, or jump to the app store. If you can't really find any, jump to the app store, read the review to be the ad auditor, and always go an extra mile to do research about, this, uh, about some topic there. And you know, I started off by asking what would be the tip that you would give yourself mm-hmm. when you were first getting started? I know what would be the tip I would give myself if I was getting started mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Uh, You're going to scold yourself. No, not really. I would say don't don't try mm-hmm. to do everything at once. Okay. All those things that we've just outlined, right? Some mm-hmm. of them are better. Some of them are worse. Uh, some of them may do the trick for you. Some of them may not. And you might have to do all of them, you know, one by one. Mm-hmm. But if you try writing a case study, doing open source work, uh, working on some, some school project that you know uh, is very well aligned with the job of your dream and then also redesigning some charity website while doing some field research, you know, you you are not going to achieve any of that so maybe just focus on getting one thing right before Mm -hmm. you move on to another thing Mm -hmm. and try don't don't push yourself too hard but try to make sure that that thing that you're focusing on Mm -hmm. is something that you enjoy yep i guess that will conclude our topic today um thanks for listening and this is this is chris and this is steve good luck finding (laughs) your first job in design Yeah, we'll we'll see you very soon in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.